Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise, it's coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great stimulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. Welcome to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the hour to empower with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com. Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends the opulence of opportunities, the magic of miracles, and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever. today, folks, on this Memorial Day. We are really pleased that you're joining with us today, and I am sure you'll find this a very informative show with a very extraordinary guest, General Stephen Saunders, today. So I'm very excited about the show, so don't go anywhere. Memorial Day is a United States federal holiday observed on the last Monday of May. Formerly known as Decoration Day, it commences U.S. service. It commemorates U.S. service members who died while in the military service. First enacted by formerly enslaved African Americans to honor Union soldiers of the American Civil War, it was extended after World War I to honor Americans who have died in all wars. Memorial Day often marks the start of the summer vacation season and Labor Day its end. 
begun as a ritual of remembrance and reconciliation after the Civil War by the early 20th century, Memorial Day was an occasion for more general expressions of memory as ordinary people visited the graves of their deceased relatives, whether they had served in the military or not. It also became a long weekend increasingly devoted to shopping, family get-togethers, fireworks, trips to the beach, and national media events, such as the Indianapolis 500 auto race held since 1911 on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Most people observe Memorial Day by visiting cemeteries and memorials. A national moment of remembrance takes place at 3 p.m. local time. Another tradition is to fly the flag of the United States at half-staff from dawn until noon local time. Volunteers often place American flags on each gravesite at national cemeteries. The very first known observance of Memorial Day was in Charleston, South Carolina in 1865. Uh, Then-President Lyndon B. Johnson issued this proclamation, number 3850, as a prayer for peace for Memorial Day. This in 1968. Here is a brief excerpt. Um, on Memorial Day, remember our debt to those who have died so that we might live in freedom. We remember also those Americans who today at home and in the lands of our allies stand guard against all who threaten our freedom. On this Memorial Day, we who remain free by the sacrifice of the dead and the service of the living will repay our debt to both with thoughts and acts of gratitude and love. And we will gain renewed inspiration from their sacrifice to push forward with the task of trying to bring about a just and enduring peace by every reasonable means. The Congress, by joint resolution of May 11, 1950, has requested the President to issue a proclamation calling upon the people of the U.S. to observe each Memorial Day as a day of prayer for permanent peace and designating a period during such day when the people of the United States might unite in such supplication. Now, therefore, I, Lyndon B. Johnson, President of the U.S., of the United States of America do hereby designate Memorial Day, Thursday, May 30, 1968, as a day of prayer for permanent peace, and I designate the hour beginning in each locality at 11 o'clock in the morning of that day as a time to unite in such prayer. And now we know that it's observed on the last Monday of May, so people can actually have a three-day weekend. So first, let me welcome to the show General Stephen Saunders, uh, and in a moment I will read you his bio so you'll know a bit about him, but let me welcome you first, sir. Thank you so much for making time to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to participate. And I know that whatever you had to do to have this work so you can join with us today. But let me just ask you, sir, how many years were you in service and what branch of service? It was uh, close to uh, 33 years of uh, active Army, Army Reserve, and Army National Guard. Wow, 33 years. Okay, so a bit more about Stephen Saunders. Is it Saunders or Sanders? I should have asked you that. It's uh, Sanders. Oh, Sanders. I made it Saunders, so good to know. I don't like to mispronounce the name. Stephen G. Sanders, known as Steve, retired from the Army National Guard as a brigadier general last year. During his military command, he commanded several units and conducted operational assessments, logistical planning, and contingency operations. He served on several missions domestically and in various challenging overseas operational environments. During the U.S. involvement in Bosnia, Steve served as an operations officer overseeing installation and industrial support for the U.S., Scandinavian, Turkish, and Russian sectors. In 2005, he commanded an engineer battalion in Baghdad, Iraq, and two separate brigades in the following years. He concluded his military career as the Deputy Commanding General for the 36th Infantry Division 
Commission responsible for the logistical operations encompassing southern Iraq. He received awards from both the U.S. Army and State Department for his efforts in the reconstruction of Iraq's energy infrastructure and establishment of a U.S. consulate in 2010. Steve holds an MS in Strategic Studies from the U.S. Army War College, BS in Physics from Sam Houston State University, and received his certification in Electronic Technology from Texas A&M University. He also conducted Geological Engineering Studies at various universities. He is an active supporter of veteran and other nonprofit organizations. Sir, it is a pleasure to have you uh, with us today. I'm very excited about this show because certainly we know we're hearing from someone who has walked the talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, Joyce. Thank you for, for having me, and uh, I'm glad to have a chance to uh, address um, the thoughts and purposes of Memorial Day and uh, have an opportunity to talk to your audience, and hopefully some of them, of course, are, are fellow veterans. Oh, I know that we have many, many fellow veterans, and we do a veteran show every day on Memorial Day and on Veterans Day, so we're very supportive of our veterans here at Joyce Barry and Friends. And I would say that my goal for today's show is to have many other people jump in and support our veterans. We'll talk about opportunities for doing that. So first, why don't you speak a bit, uh, General Saunders, about your background, how you got into the service. Why don't you share some of that with us to, so we can get sort of a picture? All right. Well, uh, as you said, I, I went to Sam Houston State. I was in the ROTC program there. And uh, I came, I was commissioned and uh, went into the Army for uh, a few years, active component, uh, to do some uh, work uh, for the Army on some uh, projects. We were, of course, uh, during, in the Cold War at the time. Uh, when I got out of, off of active duty, I went to the Army uh, Reserve for a short period of time and uh, then in back into the Army National Guard. And uh, that's one thing we'll probably talk about sometime today, about uh, the active component, uh, the mission that they have, and the memories of, of their service, but also the reserve components, because more and more in these uh, modern times, uh, the uh, reserves have got a, uh, more uh, of a mission uh, and an obligation to support uh, the efforts of national security, and uh, we've, during my deployments to uh, Bosnia and uh, my two deployments to Iraq, uh, there's been uh, a fair amount of opportunity for me to observe the direct uh, working relationship amongst the reserve components, the active components, the sacrifices by both, and then the sacrifices of their families at home, uh, and we'll have a chance to talk about that some other soon. You know, when I think about our veterans and what they go through, unless we are in service or someone, a spouse, a brother, sister is in service, I think that we're so far removed from it that even trying to imagine what our troops go through is a difficult thing to do. Wouldn't you say, sir? I, I would. Uh, separation from uh, family, loved ones, uh, is a, a tough aspect of being deployed. Uh, it's it's tough for both the service member themselves, but also for the families at home. Sometimes we uh, we forget the sacrifices that uh, that they make. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was uh, in my command post in Baghdad, and uh, here I had uh, I had about 444 soldiers I had responsibility for for that year. And uh, it was a pretty intense operational environment, a lot of things going on, a lot of dangers and risks. However, uh, my wife was home with two teenage daughters, and I sometimes wonder who had the tougher, who had the tougher challenges, me in Baghdad with a battalion or uh, my wife at home trying to raise two daughters on her own. Wow, I get it. <laughs> yes. Who had the tougher challenge? Is that all relative? Uh, when you say relative, like, uh, I'm not quite sure what you're asking. No, I'm just saying when we – I like the way you put made that analogy. I said, is that all a matter of opinion, who had the bigger challenge? Well, yes. Yes, 
uh, it is. And then I tell you one thing that was a kind of a uh, it had a personal impact on me is uh, having the responsibility for those uh, uh, soldiers, those men and women, while we were deployed. When we went through our uh, deployment ceremony, I was looking at the families of uh, the uh, soldiers, and it is a, a clear visual indication of the responsibilities you have in leadership that uh, you have the lives of these men and women uh, responsibility for them, but you also have the responsibility to make sure that they come home so that they can rejoin their loved ones after the mission. And having that kind of awesome responsibility to make sure they come home, I would imagine that over the years there was a lot of tough choices and a lot of tough decisions to be made. Uh, yes, ma'am, uh, Joyce. Uh, whenever you have uh, a, a mission uh, in a uh, uh, difficult operational environment, whether or not uh, it's uh, you know active combat or the uh, remnants of minefields left around as it was in Bosnia, uh, you uh, have missions that you're there for. You have to complete them uh, because everything is depending on you to complete your mission. But at the same time, you've got to balance and, and the risk and mitigate as much as possible uh, so that you can uh, uh, look out for the welfare of the people you're responsible for and bring them home. But in reality, uh, and this is some of the uh, situations that uh, we actually went through, and I had to have a sit-down talk with some of the subordinate commanders, that even if you do absolutely everything right, bad things happen. And, yeah, uh, Yes. Even in you know in that difficult of environment, no matter what you do, even if you do everything right, you have to understand that uh, there are risks out there and that things are going to happen, and you just have to be prepared for it. And I tell you, it's one of the toughest things, or actually the toughest thing I had to do, was uh, write letters home, and uh, for uh, some of our fallen fallen soldiers, and also of course to attend the ceremonies. Uh, when you go lay them to rest. I would imagine that's heart-wrenching. I just want to say that I've always been supportive of our service people, and and like I said, not having been in service, not having brother, sister, parents in service, I watched a two-hour documentary on what the Marines go through to become a Marine, the boot camp, and before they're even accepted officially, what the training was to see if they qualify. And I know this is just one branch of the service, and each branch has their own rules, regulations, and requirements. But I must say I was stunned at the rigor of what they were put through just to have the title of being a Marine. So the the training, the preparation, be that as may, I'm sure that behind every corner is there, there's the unexpected. There's something you just didn't count on. <laughs> Yes, uh, the, part of the purpose why, um, independent of the, of the service, uh, why you condition people in that manner is you have to uh, prepare them physically, uh, emotionally, uh, psych- you know, psychologically, and spiritually, actually, uh, for the, the rigors that, uh, that they will most likely face when they go into, uh, into combat. So you have to do that because... You have to prepare them and give them their best chance of being able to accomplish a mission, to come out of it uh, okay. And to be honest, uh, uh, one of the major aspects of military operations is the interdependency of the people on each other and the systems. So uh, you know, the, the, the soldier, airman, marine, you know, coast guard, uh, uh, to the member to the left and right of you is depending on you to be able to do your job. And that means you have to be able to uh, take the rigors associated with accomplishing the mission. Now, the slogan, uh, no man left behind, is that prevalent throughout all of the armed forces, or did one kind of like adopt that slogan? I love that slogan. Uh, I, I'm not really sure of the of the history of that, but I can tell you that uh, it is inherent to all the services because it's, it's – uh, it's kind of a brotherhood sisterhood thing that uh you know that no matter what someone 
is going to uh, uh, recover you. And that gives you uh, emotional and spiritual uh, uh, strength. And it also uh, reinforces uh, what we were referring to earlier, that you can depend on that uh, person to your left and your right. Yeah, so that gives you some solace and some sense of security. Um, on the level of generals, how many distinctions of generals are there? One star, two, three, four, is that how it goes? Yes, ma'am. In, in uh, modern times, uh, you have uh, one star, which is a brigadier general, and a two star, which is a uh, major general. Then your uh, uh, lieutenant general is a three star, and then general. Now, of course, the, the Navy has, has different ranks uh, of uh, uh, rear admiral, lower half, uh, upper half. Uh, and such like that, but uh, for the uh, uh, the ground pounders, as we call ourselves, <laughs> it's, it's the uh, uh, it's the brigadier general, up three general uh, during World uh, War II, and then possibly during Korea, I think, with the MacArthur, uh, and then the chairman, joint chief staff at that well, chairman uh, at that time, uh, that might have been a five star, but I don't really remember. Well, I was thinking, I'm known as a four-star coach. I'm wondering who has higher priority, a four-star coach or a one-star general? Well, I have thing my wife is constantly reminding me, no matter what rank I ever attained, she was always going to be one rank ahead of me. Oh, absolutely. So that's kind of like what I'm saying. I'll certainly defer to the one-star general. Uh, I know that we as coaches do battle all the time trying to, you know, share with people what we believe to be in their best interests and, and sometimes the fuss that they put up because they want to keep doing what they're doing again and again, which, of course, is the definition of insanity, doing it again and again, trying to get different results. But as I was saying, I have nothing but the highest respect for anyone in our service. So were you uh, inducted into, uh, uh, were you, did you, were you in the reserves? Were you in um, someone that got chosen? I mean, how did all this work because of family background, family history? What is your personal history? Well, um, my father was uh, in the Coast Guard, and we had had uh, people, uh, some of our other relatives serve in a variety of different services, primarily the Coast Guard. And so I grew up as a military brat, and as a matter of fact, uh, uh, we spent a lot of time in Florida uh, while I was growing up, and I'm currently in Texas. Um, the You get a sense of, of responsibility and duty because of uh, you, you, your perspective on as you grow up realizing uh, that you can't take some things for granted, such as the right to voice your opinion. Uh, that that's not necessarily the case in a lot of portions of the world. And I saw that at a young age. And uh, being a military brat, it gave me that perspective and uh, an understanding that uh, it was part of my responsibility to step up to the plate and contribute back so that uh, we could have those uh, freedoms going forward. And I, and I, majority of the uh, service members that I have interacted with feel the same way. I mean, there's a variety of reasons why you join the military. Um, part of it is economic, to be perfectly honest. My uh, my father uh, joined the military because it was the best way to get to put a strong foundation for the future of our family. Um, my dad came from very modest backgrounds, very modest. And uh, this was a, joining the service was an opportunity for him to give back, but also set the foundation for a strong family. And uh, I recognized that as I was growing up. So I felt, I heard the call and I felt the pull. And I realized when I started college that I needed to go into the ROTC program to do my part. So you enlisted and you had whatever reasons you had. Uh, in those days, I'm sure there were points in history that people were drafted as well. So would you say there's any kind of a distinction in attitude? Uh, between those that have enlisted and those that were drafted that you saw personally? There there might have been some to a degree, uh, but overall, uh, when you make the decision to stay in after your initial um, period of time of obligation is up, I mean, you have to do some soul searching to determine uh, 
uh, why you want to stay in. You also have to take into consideration, uh, if you're married particularly, uh, how it impacts on your family. Um, and then you, uh, with it, all that taken into consideration, you have to balance that against uh, your sense of responsibility and duty uh, to uh, go forward and, and, and continue to serve our country. So when you enlisted, at that point, were you married? Uh, no. Uh, no, I uh, actually met my wife uh, after about a year of service already. I was up in Washington, D.C., and uh, uh, we carried on a long-distance relationship after that, and then about a year later, uh, we uh, um, uh, were married at the uh, Post Chapel at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. Oh, so when you decided to enlist, did that happen to be a joint decision at that point, or you just said, this is what I'm doing, and I hope you're on board? Well, to be honest, I, I didn't know her at the time. I I, uh, uh, I, I was commissioned, and I served in uh, for about a year, and then uh, that's when I met her for I was attending some training up in Washington, D.C. area. And then a couple of years after that, uh, I decided to uh, uh, come off of active duty, but I was going to join the reserves. And she was a little confused because she was a military brat, and she thought that um, uh, her whole life was active duty. So when I went into the reserve components, it was a, it was a, a, a cultural adjustment. But uh, she, uh, uh, um, she and I came to uh, uh, grips with uh, the fact that uh, I was going to continue service, uh, but we were going to see how well it developed. And uh, what's funny is the time I was on active duty, I never deployed. But when I joined the Army National Guard, I deployed three times, to uh, once to Bosnia and twice to Iraq. Wow, that is significant. That is really, really significant. Um, how did you decide which branch of the service you wanted to be in? Was that an easy or tough decision for you? Um, I'll tell you a little story, really. Uh, when my uh, uh, when I was five years old, my dad was uh, enlisted to the Coast Guard at the time. Uh, I told him I wanted to be an Army officer, which <laughs> was two strikes. First of all, he said uh, you want to go into the Army and you want to be an officer, and uh, which uh, was he, he laughed until his last days about that, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, I, I had made a decision uh, when I was very young that I wanted to uh, go into the Army and uh, uh, serve. And so it, uh, it was, I was glad to have the opportunity to do that. Oh, very, very good. I mean, to get all the way up to the rank of one-star general, that had to take a lot of sweat, a lot of tears. What was your fondest memory of this journey? Um, in reality... Let me answer that this way, if I may. The fondest memory I have, and the and the reason why I was able to attend uh, attain the rank uh, that I did was because of the efforts of others. Uh, the soldiers that I served with are my fondest memory, and they are the whole reason why I was able to uh, accomplish uh, what I was, what we were able to do. And I, I constantly reminded them of that, that I was extremely grateful for the honor to serve with them. And uh, it it is something that unless you're in the military, you don't necessarily recognize how special the people are that you're serving with. Because uh, you get out into the corporate world and, uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of, of, of support for the company and a little bit of, of uh, good fellowship amongst the workers and your coworkers and such like that. But in reality, uh, it doesn't compare to the relationships and the interdependency and the personal human level that uh, you uh, gain and experience uh, when you're serving. And that is by far the greatest gift that I have received from the military is the, is the opportunity to serve those great people. Are there those that you're still in touch with? Uh, yes, uh, it, it's it's kind of a, uh, um, and I, but I'm sure some of your audience, uh, veterans in particular, can can relate to this. Uh, once you've gone through combat, and 
you have experienced such a personal dependency on other people and they have depended on you that uh, that relationship is something that will never go away. Now, at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Sometimes the experiences and the memories were some that you don't necessarily want to remember or focus or concentrate on. So at times you feel compelled to, to reach out and talk with these people, but at the same time uh, you necessarily, don't necessarily want to uh, uh, drum up some memories of some things that were very unpleasant that occurred, and you're reluctant to, to uh, think about it too much because you might end up, uh, uh, in, in a sense, mentally reliving those experiences. So it, it's, it's kind of a, a bittersweet type of relationship that you have, but it's very personal. I can understand that for sure. Um, I, I'm sure that you have countless unpleasant memories, but I just want to refer back to when you said that how sad it was for you uh, to write these letters to uh, the loved ones of people that were lost in service. Did you have to make any house calls uh, to those to any of those people who actually went, and was that person who rang the bell with that kind of news? Well, ma'am, uh, what they have are particular uh, personnel that are, are uh, receive that duty, and that duty tends to rotate. They have to be specially uh, trained and prepared. That's a tough situation. That is a tough situation when you have to give notification to families. Um, right. I, I did not have to do that directly myself. I was never the notification officer. However, uh, I uh, have had to work with families uh, and represent uh, some of their uh, interests, and particularly at, uh, at funeral services and such like that. And then, of course, when we were deployed, uh, we came. We had situations that developed where we had to get the notification back uh, through the channels as fast as possible because you owe it to the service member and you owe it to the family to give them an accurate uh, uh, report on what happened and. Uh, and the circumstances around that. And then part of that process, of course, is as a commander, you're responsible for writing the letter to send home, uh, and you owe it to the service member of the family, of course. Yeah, I mean, certainly in the war movies, we've seen many a scene where that bell was rung with that kind of news, and they, the families would just see the contingent come up to the doorway, and they would know before they even said the first word. They just knew that was the the message they never wanted to hear. Yes, ma'am. That uh, um, it is a extremely difficult uh, situation, uh, and the military has learned over the years that uh, they got they got they had to handle it in a much more appropriate manner. So nowadays, uh, there's a very deliberate process, and there's a support. Uh, system in place to facilitate the notification of the family and to, and to help them through that difficult period as best as possible. So it's not just the notification process. There is some system set in place to support the families as well? Uh, yes, ma'am. What they do is uh, they, they have uh, the notification is given, but it's given by a, a notification officer who actually has an additional person or two to assist them. And then there's an administrative process in place uh, to uh, help the uh, uh, the uh, uh, family members through the process of uh, the uh, funeral ceremonies, uh, the uh, whether or not there was any insurance uh, through SDIF. Um, and and some other aspects about how to assist them and let them know what benefits that they have and all. But, of course, all that has to be done in a manner and in a process that, over time, that uh, uh, is uh, appropriate so, because it, the, the first, particularly the first few days, is just uh, a very difficult time for them to even know which way is which and, you know, okay, what do I do now? And that's that's the type of uh, assistance and counseling that they can receive. Oh, so it is at least good to know that it isn't just that house call, but there are certain steps and procedures that follow 
uh, as well. Folks, you're listening to Joyce Barry and Friends. We have with us General Stephen Sanders with us today. An honor to have him, a one-star general. Uh, and we're going to be talking about resources and volunteer opportunities in just a few moments. But first, I just want to share with you all why you should be listening to this show every day. You made it on this an incredible day, Memorial Day, to be with us. We want you back every day. Here's why. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day, a way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy, make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, They're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one Internet radio show. And, folks, how that happens is that you partner up with us. If you go to Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and Friends.com, on the upper left-hand side of the home page, right under my picture, it says Follow. And if you click on that, you will get an email every day from Blog Talk Radio letting you know what our topic is, who the guest is, so you'll have a heads-up on all our shows. And those of you that can't listen at 11 Eastern, uh, we're happy to let you know that immediately after a show is over, it is archived. All our shows remain in our archives. So you can always go back and listen. You can refer people to our shows as well, and they can listen 24-7 on the Internet. Uh, back to you, uh, General Sanders. I never knew a general before, so I'm very humbled by it, I must say, uh, given what it takes to get there. During your years in service, was there anything that even came as a surprise to you, like something out of left field, out of the blue, uh, that came as a surprise? It could be a good surprise or a not-so-good surprise. Did you have any kind of experience like that? I, I have probably had several surprises over the course of, of my career. Uh, but I, I'd say one thing that actually gave me perspective, I'll just, I'll just put it to you that way, is in 2000, uh, we, uh, my division headquarters, we deployed to uh, Bosnia as peacekeepers. And I was out on a patrol one day, and I had a, a um, an interpreter with me. And one thing about the Bosnian theater was uh, was the amount of uh, mines and unexploded ordnance that just littered the countryside. I mean, you know, over a million mines were still left in there. And one of the uh, one of the missions we had was was clearing mines uh, in order for the civilian populace to get back to some form of normalcy in their life. You know, we were going down the road uh, on patrol, and I noticed that uh, some school kids uh, were, this is early morning, they were uh, walking towards town, and uh, they were staying on the very edge of the roadway. They were not walking into the, into the shoulder of the road. And to obvious to us, uh, because we had seen how, how hazardous the environment was there, it was primarily because of mines. So they were physically on the road walking to school. And about halfway through the day, I saw the same kids walking back 
uh, to their farmhouses and uh, a new set of kids walking down the street towards the school. And I started thinking about this, and I thought, uh, maybe their, their school arrangement is they've got like a double shift or something like that. So I asked my interpreter, um, what, uh, what is this? It looks like the kids are only going to school about half a day, and some kids going in the morning and another set going in the afternoon. And he says, well, they have to, they have to do that because there aren't enough teachers left. And I said, I asked him to explain a little bit more because I was trying to understand the situation, with it, particularly with this village. And one of the aspects of that uh, horrible conflict, and it's not that uncommon if you look at history with other conflicts, whenever an uh, invading uh, nation or country or entity or whatever is, is trying to uh, absorb and conquer another area or just to destroy uh, um, an adversary, they'll come into a village or a town and uh, they'll be very selective about what they do. And the interpreter explained, well, when they came in, uh, one of the first things they did was kill the local pop, uh, uh, political leaders, the town leaders, and the teachers. Wow. Was, yes, wow. That, was the quickest, that was the quickest way for them to gain control over that village. And that right there was, a, was a, where everything crystallized. I, I, that's my perspective was set because right then and there that drove home the point of why I was doing it and why U.S. forces go into these places to try to bring some form of normalcy to the population and make the world safer and more stable. Wow. I mean, that just really touched my heart, that story. Wow. It, it's just so sad. I mean, as much as we listen to the news every day and we think we have an idea of what's going on, until you step foot on that soil and in that country and you see firsthand what is going on, I don't think any of us can really comprehend the depths of it. Now, I, I have to say that I don't think most Americans recognize that type of, of risk to freedom that exists out there. And once you start being deployed to theaters of conflict, uh, it gives you a strong appreciation for the freedoms that you do have at home. Um, and I would say that even at that, it gives you a sense. But until you're in it, I don't think you can fully capture what is taking place and how how strong it is and how serious it is and how many close calls we've had for our own safety and security. Uh, yes, it, it, you can practice and you can train and all that, but to be perfectly frank, you don't know how you're going to respond to being shot at until you're physically experiencing it, and then uh, it tends to uh, it tends to put a lot of things in life in perspective. Yeah, I would think being shot at would put a lot into perspective for sure. Uh, we have uh, someone on our line right now, Pastor Timothy Henderson. Uh, always an honor to have you on the show, sir. Uh, were you in the service, and what branch? Good morning, Joyce, and to your audience. I'm a retired U.S. Army chaplain, and I enjoy 22 years of service to our great country. And you're an awesome chaplain, and I know how many times we've done shows together, and you prayed uh, for my health and the audience and all of that. I'd like to hear just a little bit about your experiences, but I won't let you leave without saying a prayer for our veterans today. Sure, absolutely. Um, my experience as an Army chaplain probably was the richest experience of my life. It provided for me an opportunity to service men and women, officers and enlisted personnel, and some civilians, and in some theaters, as the good generals have stated, in countries where uh, religion for some is important, but understanding individual needs as relates to their allegiance and loyalty to a higher power or a higher spirit is so important. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been there as a pillar that represents uh, values and mores that our great country has been founded upon, and religious freedom 
as a good general spoke about freedom in, in general, but religious freedom also. And we see around the globe uh, people being persecuted for their religious beliefs, unfortunately. And uh, tomorrow we'll deal with major world religions, Joyce, and uh, we'll talk about some of those concerns. But my experience uh, is rich. I'm grateful for it. And for every soldier and every troop I was able to minister to, uh, believe you me, it was worth every uh, moment I donned the uniform. And I'm forever grateful. Pastor, how many years were you a pastor in the service? Well, I served as a chaplain for 22 years. Uh, <clears throat> my ministry uh, beyond the military has spanned some 36 years. And uh, what the pastor just referenced is tomorrow's show on Joyce Barry and Friends. I have the pastor as my special guest and also Chaplain Oscar Smith. And we're going to discuss uh, a lot of the major world religions. And the whole purpose of the show tomorrow is to learn from each other and honor each other for our differences and respect each other to make the world a better place instead of judging each other for those differences and making the world a worse place. So I'm excited about tomorrow's show with the pastor. Uh, pastor, did, is there any particular experience you had as a chaplain that really stands out in your memory and you'd like to share with our audience? Well, Joyce, as a chaplain, you have so many stories you could share, you could tell. Um, the ones that I recall more frequently are when you're in the field, and soldiers have been under uh, various stresses and strains uh, throughout the week. But when they see you, they know it must be Sunday. And uh, it would always <laughs> be a great joy <laughs> uh, for me to see that and to offer services right there in the field and provide for them an opportunity to uh, align themselves again with their faith, with their beliefs, and to know that I represented something that was very true and dear to them. So that part I will always remember. And I know the special gifts you have to make people feel better and to bring people of all faiths together. Uh, that's why we, we are always honored to have you on our show. What I would love to have you do is is offer a special prayer for our veterans and the people listening in today. No no show on Memorial Day could possibly be complete without a prayer. Absolutely. And I want to commend our general for his years of service and for his sacrifice as well. And, you know, many times we don't remember the family of our soldiers who also go through tremendous stress and tremendous strain, and sometimes their contribution is overlooked. But I pray now in memory of our fallen heroes, eternal and all-wise God our Father, for the love of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we are forever grateful. We pause to remember those who have given of themselves and some the ultimate sacrifice their very lives, and yea, even their families who mourn their passing, who have lived their lives in absence of their beloved soldier, be it a husband or father, be it a wife or a mother. Nevertheless, these individuals gave, and we, in light of their valiant efforts and tremendous sacrifice and gifts, honor them, and we thank the Almighty for them. And now, for those who are still serving in various hot spots around the world, we ask again for your protection and guidance for them. And for every officer, for every soldier, for every individual performing his or her obligation and assigned duties, we need your wisdom and intelligence and grace, your fortitude and your guidance. And we will be forever grateful. Your love is well, so great, it's so immense. And because your love is so great, we relish to know our Father God. So draw near to each of us and bless this great country of ours. In your holy and righteous name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, General Sanders, would you like to say anything to Pastor Henderson? Oh, yes, I would. Chaplain, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, one thing that... Uh, became very clear to me uh, as uh, commanders 
in leadership at any level is that uh, we're all human. And mm-hmm. all the soldiers, all the soldiers, to include the commanders, uh, benefit from the chaplain being there and being a, a rock-solid corner for us to uh, uh, remind ourselves of, of uh, who we are, our spiritual leadership, and the reason why we do this. And I found I had a variety of different staff. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, the chaplain always proves one of the most valuable of members of the, the unit. Well, sir, you're very kind, and I thank you for that. And it is truly a privilege to serve with commanders and to know that the part that we as chaplains play truly means a lot to the soldiers as well as to the commanders. Joyce, I must leave you now, but thanks for the opportunity. Good success to you, and I love the show today. And I love that you took the time. I know what your schedule looks like and made the time to jump in and join us. I'm very grateful for you and look forward to our show tomorrow to see what we can do in partnership to bring the different people of different races, colors, religions together. And that's what our show is about tomorrow, to honor all people. Thank you, Pastor. Have a blessed day. Thank you and blessings to you and to you, General Saunders, as well. Thank you. He is a very special guest of our show, and we do a lot to bridge together people of all races, colors, religions, and that's the show tomorrow as well. Uh, I want to go back to you, General. Did you uh, have any kind of an experience where you personally and directly saved someone's life or or someone very close to you, you saw something that was particularly brave take place and someone's life was spared? Well, I have I have seen instances of that, yes. Um, I have seen um, soldiers put their lives at risk to uh, save uh, innocent people, I mean, non-combatants uh, in uh, Baghdad, we had a situation where um, some uh, bad actors uh, started uh, shooting at a crowd of innocent civilians only because they were trying to take uh, the bad actors were trying to take over the uh, neighborhood. So they just started uh, shooting into a crowd of, of uh, innocent people. Um, these bad actors, of course, uh, in my mind, are terrorists, and uh, my soldiers. Uh, engaged uh, with the direct fire, uh, these individuals, to in order to, uh, first of all, to uh, defeat them, but also to draw their fire onto themselves so that they would not be killing innocent civilians. Wow. Uh, and so I've seen situations like that, and I've also seen it uh, amongst, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in emergencies within the uh, U.S. boundaries, I mean, tornadoes, floods. And we got to remember the service members that have fought overseas and also the ones that have given their lives trying to save people here uh, well, within our own borders. Those soldiers that did what they did to protect the civilians, was that any kind of an order from a commander, or did they just step in and do that because they wanted to do the right thing? They wanted to do the right thing. They they initiated it, and, and their uh, rules of engagement allowed them at that time to do that. And uh, then we started bringing in uh, additional uh, firepower to assist them and to uh, protect uh, the civilian's populace. And by the way, uh, that civilian populace came up and thanked us after that. They recognized what the Americans had done for them. Hmm. That is an extraordinary story indeed, one which I know you will never forget. Uh, Folks, you're listening to Joyce, Barry, and Friends broadcasting live across America and around the world. And this is Coach Joyce speaking. And 
Uh, my official website is JoyceBarry.com, B-A-R-R-I-E. I'm a success coach. I'm a life coach and a home business coach. And in my website, you'll see articles I've written, endorsements from people across America that I've coached and that have attended my trainings. But let me just share a few endorsements with you right here, right now. Joyce Barry is an outstanding success coach. She is a master coach, the best of the best. Here are just a few of her clients who want to endorse her. Marlon Brando. Hiring Joyce as a coach is an awful you can't refuse. President Bill Clinton. I did not have sex with that woman. I did not have sex with Joyce. She is my coach. Sylvester Stallone. Yo, Adrian, Joyce is the best coach, you know. She helped me train for Rocky. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I hired the Joyce-inator because no matter how much I may drive her crazy, I know she'll be back. President Ronald Reagan. Well, Joyce, uh, Nancy, and I just love you. There you go again. Win one for the Barry. Elvis Presley. I'm all shook up about hiring Joyce as a coach. I'll get a little less conversation, a little more coaching. Jack Nicholson. If you could handle the truth, you want Joyce as your coach. Johnny Carson. I can hire Joyce as a coach? I did not know that. That is wild. Did you know that, Ed? <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Winning. That's because Joyce is my coach. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Woody Allen. Are you crazy? This whole time I haven't had Joyce Barry as a coach? You kidding me? Hi, Ted Siuba, and I think and grow rich. If you were thinking about hiring Joyce Barry as your coach, just do it, and we'll grow rich together. And even Joyce Barry herself. What do Olympic athletes have that you don't have? A coach. Hire me and have this be your best year ever. If not now, when? I want that gold medal. I want to hire me. Email coachjoyce at AOL.com. That's coachjoyce at AOL.com. Folks, Coach Joyce here. Send an email, put radio show in the subject line, and I give those emails my uppermost priority. And we can have a conversation about if having a coach resonates with you, having a home business, if that resonates with you. It'll be my pleasure to give you that complimentary to see what works for you. General, did you find that a bit amusing? We always like to bring a little lightness into our shows. Yes, quite entertaining. I'm glad. My technology was and always has been transformation about making a difference in the world and giving valuable lessons, but also having it be fun. Let me share some of my favorite quotes with you, and then we'll, we'll take a minute or two and talk about organizations and volunteer opportunities. And I know we're going to be running just a few minutes over. Uh, Shyla Kofax says, these martyrs of patriotism gave their lives for an idea. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, each man is a hero to somebody. St. Augustine, the purpose of all war is peace. I thought that was very profound. The purpose of all war is peace. And my favorite three, John Kennedy, let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. William Clinton, there is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured with what is right in America. And once again, John Kennedy, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I say today, ask what you can do for your vets, for our vets. General, what do you want to say about that one? What can people do for our vets? What role can they play? What what can they do? One thing I found about veterans is they are extremely dedicated, they're focused, and they're very capable people. They've proven themselves. So to the employers out there, I would say you need to really consider hiring a vet for any position that you have. They're very capable people, and to be perfectly honest, they'll be loyal to you. In addition to that, um, when, when I was working with several of these families post-deployments, uh, uh, one thing that became evident to me, uh, we, since we were a reserve component, a lot of them had to go back to their jobs and their positions. Some of them didn't have jobs to go back to, to be honest. 
and there are laws to protect the rehiring rights and all that bit, but I'm not trying to get into that detail. What I am saying is there are people out there that would be extremely valuable to your organization. Unemployment amongst veterans is 2 to 3% on average higher than the unemployment national unemployment rate, and it shouldn't be that way. These are some of your most valuable resources. Uh, you really ought to consider contacting them and making a deliberate effort to bring them on board. And what can people do today to make a difference? To, there must be countless ways they can volunteer to bring a smile to the face of a vet to do something. Uh, if, if one is your neighbor, to bring in uh, a dinner that you've made for them, something to show your appreciation. Do you have any thoughts along those lines? I, I think all those are excellent uh, uh, actions, you know, um, to show the recognition of the uh, sacrifice and uh, both they and their family have done. I would say one thing that uh, really uh, stood out to me and kind of made me choke up a little bit was when I was deployed as a reserve officer, um, my family, friends in communities, church groups and all, they made contact with them. I mean, they every once in a while they'd come over and check to see whether or not everything was all right, whether or not the washer and dryer was working. Uh, you know, uh, just to let them know that somebody cared. Well, same thing for our our military families uh, that are on active duty or uh, the families of uh, soldiers that have been lost. You need to make certain that uh, you reach out to them and show your support to them so they understand that the sacrifice that they have gone through and still going through uh, meant something to the people. Are there any uh, organizations that you wanted to say again uh, to people can look up and see where they can contribute, what they can do? Uh, there are a, a variety of organizations out there. Some of the major national ones are uh, uh, easily available, and you can research them online. I would say that uh, if you want to give a sense of community, and personal relationship uh, where you can help around home. There's enough organizations that are out there. Reach out to your churches, reach out to your uh, uh, various veteran organizations in the area. And uh, there is one other thing I'd like to do. I'm not saying that the, that all the uh, issues have to be addressed with uh, veterans have to be addressed by non-veterans. Veterans, you can help yourself too uh, if you are in in a situation where you need some help, recognize it. We're all human. It doesn't matter if you're a private all the way up to general. You go through something like that, you're a changed person. And everybody, everybody needs help at some time or another. So, you know, understand that you're a human being, too, and you need to reach out and try to ask for that assistance. I just want to say that I lived in New York most of my life. I'm only out here in Florida the last year and a half. And both in New York and as soon as I got to Florida, I found out which veterans organization I could call to make donations to. So that's one thing that I do. Uh, and in each case, both in New York and in Florida, the, the veterans organization came right to the house, scheduled time, just a matter of a few days, and they would pick it up door to door, pick it up, bring it to the thrift shops. And what I loved about the way they operate with, with it, with those donations, any veteran that came into those thrift shops and showed a card, you know, attesting to their service, they got what was in that thrift shop free. They were not charged. And those that were charged in the thrift shops that were in veterans, that money went to the veterans. So that is just one thing you can do. But I love veterans groups, and, and I love being able to make that call and tell them all that I have that they can pick up. And they're so efficient in every case, New York and here. They came when they said they'd come. They took everything out, and I knew that it was getting to the right hands. So that's one one, just one thing you can do to make a difference. Uh, folks, if you just get a little creative, there's always something, some way you could pay it forward, some random act of kindness, something you could do. What would you like to say, General, to sum up today's show? I would say remember the purpose of Memorial Day. Sometimes we get so caught up that we forget that. I remember it for the sake of the veterans, the veterans' families, 
and veterans, you owe it to yourself to uh, uh, do what you can to resolve your own issues, uh, taking advantage of resources like the uh, post-9-11 GI Bill and such like that, and also help your fellow veterans. It shows some initiative. The mission never ends. you still got to watch out for your buddy to the left and right. Absolutely, and I, I feel so blessed that you joined us today. I really appreciate having you on the show. I'm honored that you are on the show. And in closing, I want to take this little excerpt from a wonderful song that we all know. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I'll proudly stand next to him to defend her still today, because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Folks, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Hopefully we impacted you in some way to make a difference to some veteran to do something. There's always a way when you want to. So in closing, here is our celebration song, Celebrating Our Vets. And we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening. I was listening to Blog Talk Radio when my ears heard something that I did know. From the speakers of my laptop, I heard a voice. It was the White Oprah, also known as Joyce. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. I felt so inspired by her show and her poetry was just so good you know i want to listen to joyce again and again as joyce would say if not now when he did the mash the joyce barry mash joyce barry mash she is a coaching smash he did the mash you'll catch on in a flash he did the mash the Joyce Barry Mash. Wow. Joyce knows all about having fun. Wow. She's a home business wizard and she's just begun. Wow. She's wow. a coaching sensation for not just me or wow. you or her. It's for everyone. You can mash. Do the Joyce Barry Mash. Joyce Barry Mash. She's a home business smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Do the Joyce Barry mash! Wow. <laughs> Have a fantastic day and listen to Joyce Barry and friends. Wow. <laughs>